All right, friends, this is the portion of the service when we open the Scripture and we read what God is saying to the church and we interpret these things for one another. And so we're going to read this morning from John chapter 1. If you have your Bible, let me invite you to open it up or take the Bible out of the pew rack in front of you. Or you can follow along on the screen as I read from John 1, verses 1 through 5 and 10 through 14. Listen for the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, welcome to week three in our series. It's called Change the World. This is the third Sunday of Advent, and today I want to invite you to quit playing it safe. I want to invite you to quit playing it safe. A few years ago, I went to the gym. Anybody go to the gym? A few of you. Okay, yes, you're an inspiration. Good for you. I was at the gym, I was there to swim laps in the pool, and on this day they had taken out some of the lap lane markers so that only half the pool was set aside for lap swimmers like me, and the other half of the pool was open for a water aerobics class. And as I'm getting in the pool and starting to get warmed up, I noticed there was a lady standing at the back of the water aerobics class, which meant she was facing that way, facing toward the instructor, and she had her back t- toward the lap lanes and toward the lap swimmers like me. And uh, I noticed that she wasn't working out all that hard. She was kind of moving just a little bit. But mostly, mostly she was talking to her friends. And they were kind of congregating at the back of the aerobics class. Now, I don't know if you go to the gym and just make it social hour. You know, that's that's all good. That's fine. I'm not here to judge. Um, But that's, that's what she was doing. Now, meanwhile, there's a guy getting in the pool in the lane nearest the water aerobics class. <clears throat> so she's in the class and he's in the swimming lane, but if you can imagine, they're really only separated by a few inches of that lane marker. And this guy is starting to swim and he's getting after it. He's not an amateur like me. He's like a legit swimmer and you can tell because he's doing the butterfly stroke. Now only people who really know how to swim can do the butterfly stroke. And if you know anything about the butterfly stroke, it, it makes a bit of a splash, right? So, um, so this lady, she's standing there with her back to the lap lane swimmers, and she cannot see what's about to happen, but I can. <laughs> I, I can see, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. So the guy swims, and he goes right past the woman, and she's standing there oblivious until he gets in her proximity, and he splashes her, and she, she gets wet. Now, she's not drenched, you know, she's not drenched, but she gets wet, and she turns around and looks at him with the look of death. She could not believe 
that he had the audacity to splash her. And she looks at, at her, the water on her shoulder, and she looks back at him. And she kind of looks up at her hair and feels around. She looks back at him again. You know, it's just this angry, aggravated look. Meanwhile, the guy's oblivious because he's like, he's still swimming. He has no idea. His face is in the water. But this lady was angry. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to yell. I wanted to yell at her. And I realized that's not good form for the pastor to yell at people in public. But I wanted, I wanted to yell, you're in the pool. <laughs> Sometimes when you get in the pool, you get wet. You're in a class, and the name of the class has the word water in it. And sometimes when you go to the water class in the water, you get wet. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it it has occurred to me since then that um, all of us who are the people of God, maybe we're in in danger of being like that woman. You know, we want to get in the pool, but we don't want to get wet. Right? We, we want our friends to know we went to the gym. Maybe we just don't want to work out that hard. We want to be counted as Christians, but maybe we don't really want the risk or the hassle of following Jesus. Now, that's understandable, friends, uh, because we live in a day and time uh, in 2018 in the United States uh, that is safer and more comfortable than at any time in the history of humanity. Did you know that? We live in a time that is safer and more comfortable than any other human beings who have ever lived. And that's not all bad, is it? Because we don't live in the fear of some dictator trying to cut our heads off. And we don't uh, have to go out and kill a saber-toothed tiger in order to put dinner on the table. You just go to Kroger and get whatever you want. And isn't that great? Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a good thing. But there is a downside. And the downside is adventure is harder to come by. Adventure is harder to come by. When I was in high school, my guidance counselor did not offer World Explorer as a career option to me. Uh, You know, we are 500 years after Magellan, and he kind of put everything on the map along with other World Explorers. And now, if you want to know what the statues on Easter Island look like, you don't have to get in a sailing ship and sail there, right? You can find out without even leaving this room. You can find out without even leaving your seat. You just pull out this device and you look it up and you say, oh, there you go. And so no, no adventure necessary. Now, what's worse than that, friends, we have applied this same kind of ideal of safety and comfort to our relationship with Jesus. And we have said, wow, wouldn't it be great if Jesus could just do all these nice things for me and, and if I could live safely and comfortably. And we have neglected the reality that is in this book that says God is the greatest risk taker of all time. God is the greatest risk taker of all time, and God's greatest risk is the incarnation, that God would take on flesh, that God would become a person, a human being, and live in this world. And one of the ways we know that that's a risk is all the other religions of this world will tell you that Jesus is not God in the flesh. They'll tell you he's a good guy, he's a teacher, he's a lover, he's a prophet, but they will not, with the Christians of this world, confess that he is God in the flesh. They say, oh, that's beneath God. That's beneath God. God would never take on human flesh because we're evil and we're corrupt and God is holy. And they're right. God is holy and we are corrupt, but that's how much God loves us. Not that we deserved it, but we needed it. That's how much God loves us to take on flesh and to come into our world. 
That's what Christmas is about, friends, God coming into our world. And I want to unpack the Christmas story with you just a little bit from the Gospel of John. You'll notice in the Gospel of John, the Christmas story is different than it is in Matthew and in Luke. Uh, in, in John, there's no angels and there's no magi and there's no shepherds. Um, in fact, John's Gospel begins with the birth not of Jesus, but the birth of creation, the birth of the world. So look with me at John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is the Logos. This is God's speech, God's Word, God's highest reason. This is the, the idea that the world is organized according to God's understanding, and that our minds can connect with the mind of God. Look at verse 3. All things came into being through Him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And so this word, this logos, is the one through whom all things were made. And John says he is life, and he is light. Now notice that John is using the personal pronoun he. John's using the word he to describe the word. So the word is not just some abstract idea. The word is a person. The word is a person. Which person? Specifically, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. You see, John is trying to get us to see that while Jesus is born on Christmas, he is not created on Christmas. Brothers and sisters, understand this. The Son of God is uncreated. The Son of God is co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit from everlasting to everlasting. This is God in the flesh come for us. He was in the beginning. He was with God, and he was, and he is God. And John says this is the tragedy of his appearance on earth. Look at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. The one who made you, the one who made all the people of this world, they have rejected him. They said, we don't know you. You are not our Messiah. You are not our God. Now, if you look at the Christmas scene, the nativity, that's understandable to some extent, right? Because you look at a baby lying in the manger. He's in a feed trough. He's wrapped in some swaddling clothes, and he's surrounded by barnyard animals and by a teenage mother and her fiancé. And you say, ah, he doesn't really look like the creator of the universe. And yet, those who have eyes to see and those who have ears to hear, they have known and they have understood, and they have received him. And John says in verse 12, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Can you believe that? God has given us power to become children of God. All we have to do is believe in Jesus. This is the risk that God has taken. God has stuck his neck out for you and for me. There's an amazing sermon. I wish I could share the whole thing with you, but I'm just going to give you a little snippet of it. It's by a preacher named Barbara Brown Taylor, and it's called God's Daring Plan. 
And Reverend Taylor uh, paints the picture of the heavenly throne room when God comes to this conclusion that he's going to come to earth in the form of a little helpless baby, and he's trying his idea out on his cabinet of archangels. And this, she paints the story like this. At first, the angels were very quiet. Finally, the senior archangel stepped forward to speak for all of them. Lord, he said, we would worry about you very much uh, if you did that. You would be putting yourself at the mercy of your creatures. People could do anything they wanted to you if you made yourself a human being. And, And if you seriously mean to become one of them, well, there would be no escape for you if things turned sour. The angel asked, uh, God, could you at least you know, make yourself like a, a magical baby, you know, with a few uh, special powers? It, it wouldn't take much, just maybe the power to be invisible, you know, or, or to hurl lightning bolts, you know, in case the need arose. The, the angel reassured God, God, you know, we think this is a stroke of genius, just a gr- the baby thing, great idea. It just you know, sort of lacks adequate safety features. So God thanked the archangel for his concern, but said, no, actually, uh, he thought he would just be a a regular baby. How else would he gain the trust of his creatures? How how else would he persuade them that he understood their lives inside and out unless he lived a life like theirs? Now, this was a risk. God knew that. Okay, it was a huge risk, uh, but that was part of what God wanted his creatures to know, was that God was willing to go to any extent to persuade them of his love for them in the hopes that they would love him back. It was a daring plan, but when the angels saw that God was dead set on it, they broke into applause. You know, not the uproarious kind, but the steady kind that goes on and on and on when you have seen something extraordinary that you know you will never, ever see again. And while they were clapping, God turned around and he left the cabinet chamber and, and shed his robes as he went. And the angels watched as his midnight blue robe fell onto the floor and all the stars that were on it collapsed in a heap. And the angels were sure that they could hear from way off in Bethlehem the sound of a newborn baby's cry. Brothers and sisters, never, never, never let the familiarity of the Christmas story cloud your appreciation for what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. The world will tell you, even well-meaning Christians will tell you, play it safe, don't take any risks, be cautious, be reasonable. But here's the thing, friends, following Jesus is not safe, and it is not cautious, and it is not reasonable. God has taken the greatest risk of all time for you. Block out all those other voices. Don't listen to them. Listen only for Jesus who is inviting you. Come and give your life for the only thing that really matters in this world. Let God's people say amen.